This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I hope everyone is doing great today, as always. There's not a lot going on over here at the home front, except that Willie G., you know, my son, who's uh, quickly approaching nine weeks, ladies and gentlemen, he's doing a lot of tummy time. So he's been on his tummy. He's lifting up his head. He's turning it around. He's giggling and smiling now. It's fantastic. Really magical to watch. He's like a little human caterpillar. And he's uh, moving his head around now, full motion. He's starting to kick his feet a little, kind of sort of doing a waddle crawl. It's really cr- uh, cute, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, that's happening. I cooked up some amazing uh, ribs last night. I did a sherry wine barbecue sauce and cooked these country-style ribs in my cast-iron Dutch oven. And I used the sherry that was made by my father-in-law and snuck over here from Poland by my mother-in-law who's here visiting. So we made those last night fantastic. They were excellent. And the day before that, folks, I did pork belly. I cooked that in the oven, uh, skin-on pork belly, cooked in the oven for several hours, and then uh, chopped it up, like sliced it up, fried it in a pan, and I made an Asian cucumber salad and some bean sprouts. Dynamite, ladies and gentlemen. I love cooking. If this was another life, I'd probably be a a cook somewhere, Uh, maybe in McDonald's flipping burgers or something, soon to be replaced by artificial intelligence robots. No, no, I could never be a cook. I give those guys a lot of credit. It is difficult cooking for a lot of people, folks. Very difficult doing it in a restaurant versus doing it at home for four or five people. So anyway, what we're going to do tonight, folks, is we're going to jump right into industrial society and its future this 1995 paper that we've been covering on and off in between guest shows and we have many more guest shows planned for you i've gone over some of the guests so i don't want to do that again tonight but this 1995 paper is very important it was written by someone i have not mentioned them by name yet we're going to eventually talk about this person and the official narrative story uh, as it relates to this person. But I don't want to do that until we finish, because I think you're going to learn a lot from this paper, and I don't want to taint it. As I have mentioned on other shows, I'm not sure if the official narrative surrounding this author 
is accurate or not. All right, I was in high school when this was written and it came out. It was attached to a big uh, news story. It was ongoing. At the time, back in 95, there weren't that many channels, really, for news. So if something was in the news, pretty much everyone across the country had heard about it. It would be in the local newspaper, uh, maybe the closest uh, city newspaper to you. It would be all over state news and then uh, national news. And so it was pretty much uh, this person was a household name. And this paper was published in uh, several newspapers around the country. And we'll get into why that happened. And so, as I've said, I'm I'm not sure if this person was a prophet and actually predicted the situation that we find ourselves in today, if it was some sort of a mind-controlled messenger, um, which we know can exist. We've seen some of the Frankenstein doctors out of the military talking about the ability to mind-control people and to turn them into agents of the system. Or if the person themselves was just some sort of patsy, and this was published in their name for the purpose of the elites revealing their methods. Uh, And as we go deeper into this document, you're going to see that uh, it really, really did predict exactly the situation that we find ourselves in right now. Uh, We are up to paragraph 77. So we're entering a new section now called How Some People Adjust. And I'm not going to go backwards and explain everything that we've discussed already. You're just going to have to listen to the past episodes because if I keep going back, and summarizing what we've already discussed, and we're just not going to get this done. And I need to get through this document so that I could do a couple of shows on the author and how this document came to be. And then we're going to get into this Federal Reserve book by Anthony Sutton that Wide Awake Jim recommended that we review here at the show because he said it is instrumental in understanding the system that we find ourselves in right now. So yesterday, I'll just say, we talked about cutting the leash, all right, and as this author uh, points out that we are on a leash, and the leash is controlled by the system itself. He talks about it as an industrial technological society, otherwise known as a technocracy, which we've reviewed in detail here across many, many episodes. We've gone into the technocracy blueprints, the founding documents coming out of uh, 1919 to really 1940, 45. And uh, Howard Scott, who was the founder of Technocracy Incorporated, a lot of his speeches. I have a, I have hundreds of pages of documents that I haven't gone through yet on the show. We're going to eventually go through some of the interviews with Howard Scott, and we're really going to tie Howard Scott into Frank Vanderlip, who was instrumental in creating the Federal Reserve. And I'm going to show you that the uh, bankers, the central banksters, the economic terrorists, the economic hitmen, these guys were actually behind technocracy in its founding, and they're behind the technocracy that we see today, all the stuff we've been reviewing with Wide Awake Jim, present-day technocracy, the fake climate change hustle grift growing out of Bank for International Settlements, International Monetary Fund, United Nations, World Economic Forum, etc., etc. That's all technocracy, and that's all being driven 
by the bankers at the highest levels, the Bank for International Settlements and those that are behind them. And as Jim has pointed out, BIS, Bank for International Settlements, is owned by all the central banks, and then we can't really see exactly who owns the central banks, like who owns the Federal Reserve. So we have all these bankers behind the big system, and then the system drives uh, these grifts, uh, these made-up illusions, live-action role plays, and then everyone gets in line with them, and eventually it leads us into central bank digital currency, which is really the uh, mother load for technocracy. All right, so let's start with this. How some people adjust. Paragraph 77. Not everyone in industrial technological society, a.k.a. technocracy, suffers from psychological problems. Some people even profess to be quite satisfied with society as it is. We now discuss some of the reasons why people differ so greatly in their response to modern society. Again, written in 95, 28 years ago, he's calling that modern society. It's only gotten worse. But this is what I've talked about with you folks. That we can't keep beating ourselves over the head and banging our heads against the wall, thinking that we are going to change the minds and the hearts of the collective. Uh, We aren't going to restore America to some sort of a constitutional republic when that system is really a bit of a fiction anyway. If you want to learn more about that, you can listen to Legal Man over at the podcast, The Quash. All right. But even if even if there was some utopian constitutional republic that once existed, if there are half the people. I believe it's more than half that are fine with living within a technocratic slave state, right? They're okay with Big Brother telling them what to do, breathing down their necks. Then how are we supposed to force those people into another system? Now, we can sit here and say they forced us into this system. All right, we're talking about the elites, we're talking about the bankers, we're talking about the technocrats, we're talking about the transhumanists, the scientists, the engineers, the technologists, the business guys, the investors. They forced us into this system, utilizing the bureaucracy and the political puppets, the actors, the politicians, the so-called elected representatives. And they forced us into this system. They coerced us into this system. But the truth is, many of us went along with it. It's just we didn't realize what it was, except for maybe the last few years. A lot of people started waking up during COVID land, the high school theater production, realizing how tyrannical this system is and how dystopian the future is when you look at all the technology they are rolling out in order to enslave us and eventually engineer humanity out of existence using transhumanism and Frankenstein experiments and such, right? But so many of these folks are totally happy with this. You saw it during COVID land, the high school theater production. Many people lined up and got the jab and the booster. Many people took every single drug that the government or the puppets, the propagandists, the television media guys, uh, influencers, and so-called independent media told them to take. Many people put on a mask. In fact, many put on three. I mean, these people willingly stepped into this system. 
Right, and we get dragged along. As Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Friday, says, these folks are the anchors, and the anchors weigh us all down. They drag us down. Because if they're willing to go along with the system, if they believe in it, if they love it, if they worship it, if they love to be kicked around like a slave, then all of a sudden they drag us down into the system. Wide Awake Jim covered some of this on the last few shows through the Bank for International Settlements documents that he reviewed and analyzed and highlighted for us, showing that the bankers say, when it comes to the climate change hustle, that if they can get, let's say, 50% of people to actually believe it and then they can get let's say another 30 or 40 percent who don't necessarily believe it but they're just going to bend over they're just going to comply with it then that's a win for them as well and then you're going to have 10 percent that are the outliers maybe people like me and you who wouldn't get vaxxed wouldn't get boosted we're not going to walk on the dotted lines in the grocery store we're not going to stand in the target circles and and make sure that we're behind the plexiglass and stay six feet away from people and put on a hazmat suit and wear a welding shield over our face maybe we're not going to do it we don't want to play live action role play we're not in the mood to dress up like some furry teddy bear or something and pretend that this is all normal you know, we are the ones who cause trouble for them, and we are the ones they have to drive further into the system. Just like they're talking about the people that are unbanked in this country and around the world. They don't like that because they want everyone under the system of technocracy. But what I'm saying is, right, the folks that want to live in this system that they're building, I believe there's more of them than there are of us at this point, sadly, right? So they're going to continue to live in the system they're going to continue to build the system we have the ability though to step outside the system stop believing that you have shackles on you that are chaining you to some sort of a cinder block holding you inside the system first you have to free your mind you have to free your heart you have to free your spirit and your soul in order to have the courage to step outside of the system You will feel strange because most of the people around you are not going to do it. But if you know something's wrong, if you're like Neo in the Matrix, if you know deep inside you that there is something wrong with the system, and now you've been listening to my show and other people like my show, and you know that this is what it is, this is technocracy all around you, then do what you need to do to further understand it, and then do what you need to do to have the courage to step outside of it and be prepared to live outside of it, okay? It's very difficult to live outside of it if you're not prepared to do so. All right, paragraph 78. First, there doubtless are differences in the strength of the drive for power. Individuals with a weak drive for power may have relatively little need to go through the power process. Uh, And you definitely want to listen to the past shows because power process is key to all of this. Uh, Essentially, what it means is humans are wired to have a goal, have to work extremely hard to achieve the goal, and then have to achieve their goals more often than, than, than they fail. Okay, otherwise you're going to end up in depression. So it says little need to go through the power process or at least relatively little need for autonomy in the power process. These are docile types who would have been happiest plantation darkies in the old south. 
We don't mean to sneer at the plantation darkies of the Old South. To their credit, most of the slaves were not content with their servitude. We do sneer at people who are content with servitude. You see what the author is saying there? All right. He's not talking crap about the uh, folks that were locked up as slaves because he believes the majority of them didn't want to be. But the ones who are content with servitude, are content with slavery, are content with being pushed around by the government and shoved into the cattle car line to get their jabs and boosters, the author is saying he does not really have any patience for those type of folks. As Maria Albanese would say, those folks are the anchors that drag us all down. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to drag myself down to a quick commercial break. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, we are returning to Industrial Society and its future, written in 19. 19- 95. Let's move on to paragraph 79. It says some people may have some exceptional drive in pursuing which they satisfy their need for the power process. For example, those who have an unusually strong drive for social status may spend their whole lives climbing the status ladder without ever getting bored with that game. You know those types, folks. The people that try to copy the Kardashians, you know, they want to keep moving up that social ladder. Those could be socialites, those could be elected politician types, those could be actors, you know, those type of people. Paragraph 80, people vary in their susceptibility to advertising and marketing techniques. Some are so susceptible that even if they make a great deal of money, They cannot satisfy their constant craving for the shiny new toys that the marketing industry dangles before their eyes. So they always feel hard-pressed financially, even if their income is large and their cravings are frustrated. You know those folks, right? They're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. They want everything, the new boat, the new ATV, the new truck, the new TV, the new video gaming system. They just want more and more stuff, all right? They're trapped in the cycle of materialism and consumerism. I'm not um, judging anyone. I mean, I I think we're all individuals. As I've said here on the show since the very beginning, we are going to have different goals, uh, different solutions to try to reach those goals because we're individual. That's what makes us human. That's what makes us truly about freedom and liberty over here at the Dustin Gold Standard. I know there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for everyone. If there was, we would all uh, build an Amish community and get the hell out of here. But not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone wants to do that. So people that want to chase the materialistic, you know, consumerism and all these new toys and shiny objects, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not judging you for that. 
I don't think everyone has to go out and live in the woods, you know, like some uh, indigenous uh, Native American or something like that. I mean, I know that's not for everyone. All right, let's continue. Paragraph 81. Some people have low susceptibility to advertising and marketing techniques. These are the people who aren't interested in money. Material acquisition does not serve their need for the power process. Now, I figured out, ladies and gentlemen, with myself, uh, that's the type of person I am. When I first read this uh, many years ago, I was not as educated to all these subjects as I am now. But I figured out throughout my life, um, much of it spent single, I was happy working on creative projects. And as long as my bills were paid and there were certain times I made a lot of money and I was into going out and you know partying and stuff like that, I would make a lot of money in the corporate entertainment comedy business, and I would take people out to eat and eat fancy food and drink. I mean, that, that's what I was into, so I was working to be able to do that, but I wasn't into buying uh, BMWs and fancy cars, so I never chased uh, money, per se. Uh, I had opportunities when I was in politics in my 20s to go work for some Washington, D.C. think tank types, and I could have made a lot of money, and I didn't do it. It just didn't interest me. They couldn't, I, I knew I would end up in this corrupt system. I was well aware of the corrupt system, and I didn't want to do that. So the money didn't lure me in. And then as a creative uh, and running my sort of creative consulting business over the years, working in graphics and web development and such, there's been a lot of projects that I could have worked on, contracts that would have been six months or a year, and they just didn't interest me. So even though the money would have been really great, I wasn't going to be happy with it because I was never into buying all kinds of crazy stuff. Now my main objective is uh, to get this piece of land in West Virginia and own it outright because once I do that my money's really going to just go into the farming and the, the ranching stuff and then the ability to travel around the country doing this show and bringing Willie G on a homeschool tour that's basically what I want to do so that's what I'm earning money for now but it's not to buy a, I don't want an RV just because it's luxurious I want one that I can bring my son around the country and introduce him to a lot of different people you know like Justin the cowboy I want to bring him out to uh, Mark to learn how to butcher you know there's a lot of folks I want him to meet along the trail but it's not to own a, a shiny objects you know so it's, that's just who I am I don't know what type of person you are it probably would be of a benefit for you to figure out you know who you are what drives you and that's going to help you shape more realistic goals for the future all right paragraph 82 people who have medium susceptibility to advertising and marketing techniques are able to earn enough money to satisfy their craving for goods and services but only at the cost of serious effort putting in overtime taking a second job earning promotions etc Thus, material acquisition serves their need for the power process, see, because they're working hard to achieve those goals in order to have more money to buy more things. But it does not necessarily follow that their need is fully satisfied. They may have insufficient autonomy in the power process. Their work may consist of following orders, and some of their drives may be frustrated. For example, security aggression. 
We are guilty of oversimplification in paragraphs 80 to 82 because we have assumed that the desire for material acquisition is entirely a creation of the advertising and marketing industry. Of course, it's not that simple. All right, that's just the author uh, making that statement to clarify. Okay, so on one hand, you could believe that advertising and marketing really uh, plays up and sucks people into the materialistic, consumeristic society, but he's saying obviously that's not the case 100% of the time. All right, paragraph 83, some people partly satisfy their need for the power by identifying themselves with a powerful organization or mass movement. An individual lacking goals or power joins a movement or an organization, adopts its goals as his own, then works toward those goals. When some of the goals are attained, the individual, even though his personal efforts have played only an insignificant part in the attainment of the goals, feels through his identification with the movement or organization as if he had gone through the power process. All right, do you understand that? So what it's saying is someone joins a group and the group has successes. That person could have been one member of, uh, I don't know, 10,000 people. And he looks at their successes as his successes. You know, a lot of those people, maybe you guys are, do that with sports teams. You know, you sit on the couch and I don't know, the Yankees hit a home run. You say, my team hit a home run. My team won, even though it's not your team, but you're part of that group. Uh, and a lot of cases... The sports takes the place of uh, like that fulfillment with the power process because maybe you know at your job you have no autonomy, you get uh, no payoff from it that goes towards the power process. It goes on to say this phenomenon was exploited by the fascist Nazis and communists. Our society uses it too, though less uh, crudely. Example, Manuel Noriega was an irritant to the United States. The goal, punish Noriega. The United States invaded Panama, which is the effort, and punished Noriega, which was the attainment of the goal. Thus, the United States went through the power process, and many Americans, because of their identification with the U.S., experienced the power process vicariously, right? So these will be the folks that sit around and cheer on politics on television, red versus blue, WWE wrestling. To me, uh, politics in its current form is no different Okay, then watching a reality show, then watching the Kardashians or watching sports or watching wrestling. You know, you cheer on the red, you cheer on the blue. In this particular case, these are the type of uh, incidents that occur like, say, 9-11 or COVID land, the high school theater production, or we're going after Russia, or we're going to go after China. This is when they get the whole country to actually come together as Americans and cheer on something that the government wants to do. And there's a whole bunch we could talk about there with Noriega. I'm not going to get into that, but it's interesting because George H.W. Bush uh, propped him up and then tore him down. Just another one of these dictators that we install and then they give us lip and we've got to go tear them down. Uh, It goes on to say, hence the widespread public approval of the Panama invasion. It gave people a sense of power. 
We see the same phenomenon in armies, corporations, political parties, humanitarian organizations, religious or ideological movements. In particular, leftist movements tend to attract people who are seeking to satisfy their need for power. But for most people, identification with a large organization or a mass movement does not fully satisfy the need for power. All right, and so when he's talking about leftist movements, think about it in the sense of a Black Lives Matter or an Antifa, right? And there's paid organizers, uh, agitators that are in there. They work for political organizations, NGOs, think tanks, I don't undercover government agents, right? And so the whole thing is orchestrated, but they end up getting real people onto the streets, you know, kids from college, high school dropouts, drug addicts, whatever it may be. Some are paid, you know, but some actually get drawn into it. They think they're fighting fascists i actually know people in my real life that were part of some of this stuff and they they actually went out in the street they think they're fighting fascists uh when they don't even realize they are actually the fascist but i think you understand what the author is talking about paragraph 84 Another way in which people satisfy their need for the power process is through surrogate activities. We talked about surrogate activities on past shows. As we explained in paragraphs 38 to 40, a surrogate activity is an activity that is directed toward an artificial goal that the individual pursues for the sake of the, quote, fulfillment, end quote, that he gets from pursuing the goal, not because he needs to attain the goal itself, okay? So these would be, for instance, hobbies, okay? For instance, there is no practical motive for building enormous muscles, hitting a little ball into a hole, or acquiring a complete series of postage stamps. <laughs> Yet many people in our society devote themselves with passion to bodybuilding, golf, or stamp collecting. Some people are more, quote, other directed, end quote, than others, and therefore will more readily attach importance to a surrogate activity simply because the people around them treat it as important or because society tells them it is important. This is why some people get very serious about essentially trivial activities such as sports or bridge or chess or uh, arcane scholarly pursuits, whereas others who are more clear-sighted never see these things as anything but the surrogate activities that they are, and consequently never attach enough importance to them to satisfy their need for the power process in that way. That's how I am, folks, all right? I played sports in high school. I played basketball. I ran track. I played volleyball. Throughout my life, I played baseball. I played soccer. Uh, never really played uh, football, but I never really got into watching sports. It wasn't my thing. And, and I watch people, and they enjoy it. That's your thing. That's your thing. I never was like that. Uh, never got into golf. Never got into a lot of these, uh, what they would call surrogate activities. Not because I had read this, but I guess I have whatever the author is talking about. I just, those things don't um, actually do anything for me. I don't feel like I'm actually accomplishing anything uh, by them. goes on to say, it only remains to point out that in many cases, a person's way of earning a living is also a surrogate activity. Not a pure surrogate activity, since part of the motive for the activity is to gain the physical necessities, and for some people, social status and the luxuries that advertising makes them want. 
but many people put into their work far more effort than is necessary to earn whatever money and status they require, and this extra effort constitutes a surrogate activity. Okay, because you got to remember, the author is always referring back to primitive man. Uh, I mean, we're talking only going back 200 years ago, you know, to leave your cabin, go out in the woods, hunt an elk, kill it, bring it back home and feed your family. So now in in modern time, back in 1995, what he's talking about, or even today, you go to work, at least back then you had to leave and go to an office. Now you could just jump on Zoom in most cases if you work remotely, but you're there to trade your skills, your creativity, your efforts, whatever it may be, your labor. Uh, for food coupons so you can go to the grocery store which is the equivalent of modern day hunting so you get the money to get the food to pay your rent uh, or to pay your mortgage or whatever that may be Uh, it says this extra effort together with the emotional investment that accompanies it is one of the most potent forces acting towards the continual development and perfecting of the system with negative consequences for individual freedom Especially for the most creative scientists and engineers, work tends to be largely a surrogate activity. This point is so important that it deserves a separate discussion, which we will give it in a moment. Paragraphs 87 to 92. Very important there. All right, so he's talking about these professions in which people work above and beyond uh their call of duty right what they actually need to earn the food coupons to get the food and pay their rent and he's talked specifically about scientists and engineers uh working above and beyond and it flows into what's called this surrogate activity and this is very important and i hope i can do it justice folks Uh, Because this is what we're talking about today. The scientists and engineers that are building the technocratic system, that have built the technocratic system. And I told you, they will work and they will continue until all of humanity is enslaved. The entire natural world has been hijacked and controlled by them. And they will eventually engineer humanity out of existence. We'll explain when we get back from this short commercial break ladies and gentlemen my name is dustin gold of the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 